The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah, you want it? Welcome back to Redneck Tech Podcast. We decided last podcast we're not going to number these because we don't know where we're going to put them anymore. So uh, we got our buddy Tim Ensley in the hotel room. Actually, we were in Indianapolis, Indiana. I got Ryerstein with me too. Um, the beautiful, wonderful voice you heard at the beginning of this podcast. Um, so... Tim reached out to me, and he wants to talk about the film festival, which the film festival will happen to not tomorrow night, Friday night. Friday night. And where is it at? It is at the uh, can't think of the name of that. It's a, it's the Palace Theaters downtown, and it's the old theater, so it's like a fifty year old theater. Is that so the one that we went by? Sounds like it. Probably. It's a big, nice, pretty theater. It's a big, it, nice theater. Like they, it's like, got that marquee with all yeah, the rural fashion it. lights yeah, around that's it. it. That's yeah. it. That's it. I think it's called the. Uh, Starts at seven ish. Yeah, don't ask me questions like that. Okay. <laughs> I thought I saw seven thirty. Can, the can you edit this? <laughs> yeah, I think I heard so seven thirty. I think we looked it up. I'm asking questions to the guy that's going to be on stage, and so he's the, asking me to not ask him questions. So the doors, so the doors, the he doesn't doors have open. his teleprompter. Come on, that's now. right. I don't have. A, I can't read it off the teleprompter. I don't know. Um, the doors open at six six thirty, and the film festival starts at seven thirty. Seven thirty. Okay, and there's roughly what. Four or five, four minutes, and then six, eight minute films. Isn't that what that thing said? I think there's five. There's five four minute films this year. So there's five short, short film versions, and then there's uh, nine features. Nine features. Okay. Yep. So, how many submissions were there this year? The rough. I mean, I know you might not know the exact number, but you told me it was like seventy something. Seventy six was the last number and I that's, heard. That's and features and shorts. That's features and shorts. But I do know that that there weren't that many shorts. There weren't um, that many shorts. Dang weren't it. That many short that's films. what we're frick, man. That's the one we were gonna do. We just didn't have time to do it. Gosh, and man. The second one we we're gonna do. In the shorts. Are- I, I said the same crap last year. <laughs> I'm like, we're going to do a film, and then this year we filmed one. We filmed one yeah. for a full week in Idaho and then tried to get caught up on edits and tried to get caught up and we just never, never did. did. And then I looked and the deadline was the fourteenth of December. I'm like, we're never yeah. gonna make that. Not yeah. even close. It's a... Uh, it's in, in the in the shorts are a four minute version and in the uh, the features are ten minutes and under. Well, we've and got a so, really good idea for a short. It's going to well, be so out of the box. But you need to submit it. I, I mean, know. that's one of the things. One of the hardest things for us to get are good shorts. I mean, that's yeah. that's it. And that sounds like you know we have a hard time buying underwear. The way I just said that, but yeah. The hardest, <laughs> yeah. But one of the hardest things to get submissions for is a really watchable four minute yeah short um well see but that's my favorite length you know is that yeah. three to four minute time frame and the do hardest st- you don't you, like the three to five no you know me i'm a i'm a i like i like those long cuts You're long-winded I, I do too yeah. like i really do like i watch like, like I, 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 was, would do I was watching minutes. one on the plane today called heavy water mm-hmm. it was a surf film yeah and um and I was watching it on the plane up here today, and it was, I mean, that's what I like. I like, like, hour and 20-minute documentary Well, we were talking films. about the new movie out, The Irishman, that's like three and yeah. a half hours long. So, because I was sitting there watching it on Netflix yeah. uh, a couple nights ago, and my wife was asleep. And I'm like an hour and a half in this thing, and I'm starting to get tired. And I'm like, 
nothing's happened. There's a yeah. lot has to happen in this movie. And I look down at the bottom, I'm like, holy crap, I'm not even halfway through this yeah. thing yet. Yeah. So, but I, I love features that are long like that. Yeah. But for me personally, when I go out to create content, it makes it fits in my brain way better to know I only have to fill three to four minutes of content. Like, oh, yeah. I know I can make something killer in that amount of time. Now, when you start stretching, like when, when Braylon Shockey came out and said they were doing hour-long shows on Outdoor Channel, yeah, I was like, God bless you. Yeah. No desire to do that. Yep. But they were awesome. They were they did it. produced they, well. They were shot I mean, well. Yeah. They had the, the, the other thing that we all, I mean, especially us in this room know is that, I mean, in order to do that, you you obviously have to have the funding to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the time. And yeah, the, the time, funding the and the time. time. And the funding. And, and when I say funding, I mean it's – you're generally not going to shoot a project like that with one or two guys. Yeah, no. You know, I mean uh, – and just like you watch some – I've watched – a few years ago, I watched some behind-the-scenes stuff from Meat Eater. There's two camera guys and a full-time sound guy yeah. on every project. And probably and a producer. Probably. And a producer. Yeah. yeah, there is because yeah. Giannis is Giannis, a producer. Yeah. So, you, you, I mean, I would hate to know that I had to go on every hunt with five people. Yeah. It's a lot of people to drag around the woods. Oh, yeah, and, we um, used to do – we used to run, and I'm sure they still do sometimes, but on Lee and Tiff's spot and stock stuff, we'd have – Two on ones, yeah. so one hunter, two producers, yep. and it's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I've done a turkey hunt with seven people before, believe it or not. Seven? Holy seven. Cow. It, seven total or seven there, just no, run was, for? No, no, there were seven total people. There was uh, three big cameras. There was one or two hunters, I don't remember, and then just people that wanted to come. And we're like, screw it. Let's try it. And we killed a turkey with seven people. What was that for? Yeah, it was either for... I know. I think it was for the 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 turkey show we used to do with Lee and Tiffany every year. Mm, yeah. and we're like, let's just see how many people we could fit around right here next to these trees and kill the competition turkey. one. Yeah. So we 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 I ran into that like in Florida filming when I was filming for Eddie Salter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we drive all night. We had an appearance. He had, to have, he, had to, he did an appearance at Max Prairie Wings in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So I drove to Max, and he and I left that afternoon. We had to be in Florida in time to hunt the next morning, South Florida. South of Okeechobee the next morning to hunt um, south of Okeechobee. Yeah. And it was like 20-something hours. Yeah. So we drive all night to get there, and we don't get there till just after daylight. So, I mean, and and when we get there, we meet the young lady that we're filming, who's named Lindsay Holland. She was one of the Olympic shooters, uh, trap shooters. I feel went, like I've heard that name. You probably have. She 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 shot in the Olympics for the U.S. in, in London, um, big-time world-class trap shooter. And – uh. We were going to film her killing her first bird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we get there, there's like five other people standing around, like all in camo. <laughs> all and we're and we're hunting an orange grove. Oh yeah, I've hunted those orange there, grove, yeah. and it was like the freakiest thing. We we're we're traipsing down through there. We don't we don't hear one bird, and we're getting ready to leave, and go find another spot, and the mag the magic of the shotgun mic, because mm-hmm. I had my ear my headphones on. And I was just filming something with Eddie talking to her about us leaving and going to another place. And all of a sudden, I heard a bird gobble through the shotgun mic. Mm-hmm. You ever heard? I mean, yeah, how many when, times have you heard it? Nobody else yeah, can hear but it. But the, like, the hardest part about having your earbuds in the shotgun mic, you don't know which direction it yeah, came I from. I no like, idea. Heard just, turkey gobble. No idea which exactly direction. That's exactly what I said. I yeah. said, bird just gobbled. And Eddie, Eddie's like, what? I said, a bird just gobbled. I don't yeah. know where it gobbled from. He said, where, yeah. where did you hear it? And he said, did anybody else hear a bird? And they were like, no. And I said, I heard it through the mic, man. Yeah. So, um, And we ended up killing a bird. 
with I don't know how many people. There were people laying in the bushes. Like there was dudes laying down yeah, watching. We, it was the craziest we, thing we, ever. We killed a coyote with six people one time lined up against hay bales. We stole all the sheets off JP's house in Missouri, and we laid – it was snow everywhere. So we, like, laid a bunch of white sheets over, like, a bunch of guys laid down next to hay bales, and I was standing up behind the hay bale filming over it and killed a freaking coyote. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, we I've got documentation. We did it. It was awesome. So what we came here to talk about is the film festival, and kind of what you wanted to talk about, correct me if I'm wrong, is since there were 70 submissions and there was how many, like, 14, 15 that are actually picked out of everything. So there's nine and nine and five. So nine and five, 14. so 14. There's obviously a lot of people that didn't make the cut. Yeah. In your opinion, and you you know, you've done this for how many, how many years have you hosted this thing? And you've submitted a bunch of films too. Yeah, I've, I've had, I mean, I've, I've won the film festival. So, I mean, I kind of feel like I know what it takes sometimes to win it, but obviously yeah. I haven't won it in years, but yeah. so maybe I don't. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think, uh, First of all, I think if you go into it as a competition, me personally, I think you're going into it for the wrong oh, reasons. Oh, 100%. I agree with um, that. And I've had people ask me before. They'll send me their film and say, hey, can you watch this? Do you think it's got a chance to win the film festival? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I mean, but if you're going if you're going into it and that's that's your sole, yeah. sole goal is to go in there and win it, um, I think you're probably, you know, you're probably looking at it the wrong way. Even yeah. though it pays money, I mean, it, it pays, you know, yeah. pays pretty good, and you get the cool trophies and all yeah. that, and it's very prestigious to win it. And, um, you know, uh, the biggest thing, I think, for most people is that, and Jason and I, Matt Zinger, who's, he's won it a couple times. Yeah. Uh, Jason and I talk about this all the time, is that it's it's so important as a, as a as somebody who's in the business that we're in to – get paid to create content and tell stories mm-hmm. it's important for us to have a good showing at the film festival because it's it's all the people you're trying to yeah. do work for well and it's, that's and you know and i um, never had really thought about ever doing a film and i'd never yeah. been to it until three years ago right and uh i remember i was sitting in that room watching some of the films and that room is packed full of people that the content that you're creating is made for yeah. And if you can influence those people in a positive way, in an emotional way, and and really get any kind of reaction, and I was like, you know, it would be really cool to create a film to show to people that you know are interested in watching it. Because sure. when, I, when I take stuff home and show it to your family and your friends, well, of course they're going to like yeah. it. But when you get in a room full of people you don't know that watch hunting for a living, right? Um, that's when you find out whether or not you did something good, you know. And I, and I thought about that, and I thought about how scary it would be to Terrifying. sit in that room with people with something you created, and and like Dude, not I hear can, a cricket, not hear or you hear hear somebody go like, what the what the hell's going on? Like it doesn't matter. That, that was my short film yeah. last year. My short film last year was like I, I I created something I thought was really cool, and I went kind of a weird direction, like a music video, mm-hmm. and I just put in four minutes, you know. We killed in four minutes with this cool music montage and some. I don't, I don't know if you saw it. I don't. You may not have seen it. Um, it was. We started out. It started out in black and white, kind of cinematic, and mm-hmm. we were like, my buddy was pretending like he was playing the guitar, and and he can't play the guitar, and, <laughs> um, and it just was. So right it, off the bat, right great off the, start. Right, right off, off the bat, bat. <laughs> he, no, but it was funny because it was meant to be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh-huh. 
we were like humming this song together, sitting at this bar in black and white. And, the, you know, you we're kind of humming this song in rhythm. And all of a sudden, he starts trying to play it on the guitar. And it's like, and he did that without us knowing he was going to do it. So we just broke out laughing like right yeah. in the middle of it. So we put that in there to start the film. Yeah. Then it went into this music montage of like a split screen going into a split screen of me walking through a field in Kansas and, yeah. um, you know, drone shots and all this. And then it was, you know, a 150-inch buck getting shot and getting drug out. And then it was this 1950s uh, voiceover from an old uh, – Texas Department of Game and Fish film that we found. <laughs> it was like the white tailed deer. <laughs> we thought it was cool as crap. And I yeah. mean, literally when it when it when it was finished, like people were like, Yeah. Yeah. What was that? Like slow clap. <laughs> like, should we we're, clap? We're should not we? sure. Is it over? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, sometimes you make stuff that that you think is really cool. And, well, and, and But I think that's important. I think, like what you said, if you're going to film to do the film festival to try and win it, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I think if you're going to do a film, it should be a film that you're proud of. Exactly. And that was the thing is that we, you know, uh, some somebody asked me about the film. They said, what how, what'd you think about, uh, what do you think people thought about your film? And I said, I don't know. I don't think they really got what we were going for, but I dug it. <laughs> I had a lot of fun putting yeah. it together. That was like the most fun film I ever put together. Yeah. But, but to me, um, you know, first of all, and we've talked about this a, a million times, you, the number one thing that a film has got to have is a story. I mean, that's TV or anything, but it's, it's, it's much easier to do in film. Break that down even more because it's easy to say the word story. When you say story, what do you mean? Like explain like well, I'm I'm somebody that I'm your typical viewer and I watch and I love watching movie videos and I love watching kill montages. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about. No, we're 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 talking about uh, a story that somebody can relate to with people that are in it that you can relate to. It's like okay, the the film that won the feature last year, Hank the Tank. Um, that little boy was was born with degenerative disease that he couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. Watching his dad, and I tear up thinking about it right now. Um, watching his dad put him on a on a pack pack frame, rack, yeah. pack frame, and carry him out to mule deer hunt because he couldn't walk. Yeah, and that kid throwing that rifle up over his dad's shoulder and shooting a mule deer, and showing that, and him shooting one out of the back of a pickup because it's legal where they live. If you're yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're handicapped, yeah. They could drive mm-hmm. through there, and if they if they spotted one and he was in shooting range, he he could yeah. shoot it in the back of the pickup because he he was disabled. And then all of a sudden, they find this doctor that's doing this experimental gene replacement stuff, and the next thing you know, the kid's walking, and you get to see him start walking, and then the next thing you know, you see him running a marathon, and he wins it. Yeah. And then for that, and for people to. People to relate to that, to yeah. that mm-hmm. story, and that you know, to me, that's that's what telling the story yeah. is. It was Hank's story, yeah. and whether it, and, you know, and it was a, and it made people think, you know, here's a kid that wants to hunt. He was talking about hunting. He was hunting his whole life, but he was doing whatever it took to hunt. Yeah, you know, because he loved it that much. Yeah, and so if it meant riding on the, you know, on the pack frame 
mm-hmm. or if it meant sitting in the back of the truck to get to hunt. And people just related to it, and it was it was a triumph story. Yeah, yeah, and everybody yeah, yeah. likes a triumph story. Oh heck you know? yeah! There's two things. There's two things people love love, and that's they love to to bash something or something that makes them feel good over yeah. a triumph. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. I think they related to Hank the Tank because and then. When I looked up and here he came running down the aisle when he won, yeah, it was a, it was wild, dude. Yeah. Like it was a, there's a picture of me on the Badlands, uh, IG page just not long ago, and like he came up and I picked him up on my shoulders. I was bawling like a baby, man. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, but that's you're trying to touch people with a story. Yeah. If you can't make them feel something, you know, um, if you can't make them feel something, you got to make them laugh. That's yeah, the one exactly. of the two things. Either you make them do. feel something or make them laugh. Yeah. Hey, the pizza's here. Oh, is it? <laughs> Heck yeah. This is so professional. We're, we're, me and Ryer haven't had a, what you need. So they, I've, already, I've already paid for it. So you guys haven't so you guys have it eaten, so the pizza's here. Yes. Yeah, well, this is super professional. We haven't eaten lunch, and Ryer and I are starving, <laughs> so the pizza is currently here. Um, so the story is one aspect of it, and yeah. it's something that we preach on the podcast. You've talked about. So – what do you think is the, the the biggest maybe downfall of some of these films that may be not getting in? Is it is it a, is it always a lack of story? Is it a lack of production? Is it what do you, what if you could? I know you can't narrow it down to one thing, but what, what would you say? I think obviously I'm not one of the guys that that get to pick. I yeah, don't. yeah, yeah. I mean, I have zero idea what most of the time what's even submitted. Yeah. Uh, unless it's films that my friends are putting together. Oh, my and, Jesus, that you know, smells amazing. We end, up getting to, we end up getting to see those. That is so oh, horrible. Get, hold on, bring that in here. Have y'all eaten yet? Yeah. Y'all we are just, welcome we to We just have, ate. We just literally just ate. Thing that weighs five pounds. There's a five-pound pizza on the bed in front good. of us right now. Jesus Christ. I know. That is that is horrible. And that's a full meat pizza, too. Hell, that's yeah. That's a meat lover's pizza. Hey, go big or go home, man. Yeah, we're so big. Man. We're Georgia boys. We're from, yeah. You're from Arkansas, so you know, how, right. you know about them know big Southern boys. Had a, guy, had a guy tell me in the hallway I was from Texas, and I told him. He tells me I have this accent that I don't think I have. Yeah. As soon as we get here, this like guy's like, hey, where are you from, Texas? I'm like, no, I'm not from Texas. I'm from Georgia. Caleb was trying to talk without my mic on. He thought that he was gonna. He no, thought he was gonna pull one I over, not let me defend myself. I turned you back up. You he he swears up and down that he doesn't have an accent. I know people with accents. I don't have yeah. an accent. He knows people who have more accent than he does, <laughs> and because of that, he thinks that he doesn't have an See, accent. See, because I don't. But he does, I know, and I can prove it because when he goes somewhere, who has more of an accent, me or Tim? I'm gonna need both of you to talk real quick. <laughs> We we're gonna continue to talk. You we're just, gonna, we're make, gonna continue to talk. You just make your analysis. It's See, different accents because I feel like it's a little different. Now, here's the, so here's here's the conundrum you have because I live in Arkansas, but I grew up somewhere else. Oh man, <laughs> he, I'm not an accent connoisseur. I, I just up, know that Caleb I, has an accent. When I say I grew up somewhere else, like I lived there 24 years of my life. Were you born? Were you born there? No, I was born in Arkansas, but I left there when I was like three. Where so. are your parents from, though? My parents are from Arkansas. Okay, so then uh, to me that means you have an Arkansas accent. Okay, right. see because you have you don't like have a Georgia you have accent. a little bit of an accent to me. Now yeah. give that to Ryer. I have, and we're way off topic. <laughs> we are. We we've gotten so That's far away from the Badlands Film but, Festival. Uh, but I understand that I have like a one percent accent. But I know people with ninety nine. Oh, I do too. I do too. That if you, you need you a, go to you go to Alabama. You go to Alabama and Mississippi, and you'll hear oh, some accents. Heck yeah! Dude. I'm not Seriously. arguing that there's people with more accent than See, you. See, he's from yeah. Colorado and has lived in California, so he's so yeah. washed so down. You have like with, no accent. You yeah. have like no actual voice. God, you are. 
are so. you are just the greatest. And we have nothing to drink, by the way, so we'll have to get that later. Well, back to the yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what were we talking about before the pizza got here? I forgot. Well, what do you? What do you? Were you, you think, talking about the criteria think? that makes? So no. we were talking about the story. Okay, and one of the yeah. things, the things that what I think that probably hurts films the most. First of all, it is lack of story. I think I think you don't have to have the greatest production value. I don't think you have to have the best cinematography. I don't think it's. I don't think it's you know. You don't have to spend a ton of money to make it. No. Um, I think, uh, in fact, I can tell you right now, there were, and they'll probably hear this and, and, and be pissed when I say this, but <laughs> there was two films that I know they paid heavily to produce Yeah, that did not make the film festival. Yeah. And and I did see both of those films after the fact. Well, to, 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 to be fair, your film didn't make the film festival film this year. My film didn't make the film festival this year. And you host the dang and thing. I host it, yeah. So, so that should say something yeah, for the competition this exactly. year, you know? And I've, you know, and I mean, I've, I've, and I tell everybody that. I've had years that, this is not the first year I've submitted a film that didn't make it. Yeah. And I host it. You but know, you submit one every year. I submit a film every year. Some years, some years I go in thinking, this is some of the best stuff I've ever done. And some years I go in going, We'll, we'll see. I could have probably done a lot better. Uh, you yeah. know? And those years when I, the years when I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, I really, I really pushed it on that one, trying to make it work. Those are the years that I see. And that's they just what don't I, make it. And that's they, what and I they never do. And that's what I didn't want us to do this year. Yeah. I you, think if we would have pushed ourselves, we probably could have got one submitted, but it, I wouldn't have been proud of it. Well, here's the hardest thing for us. We're most of the time we're still hunting. Yeah, getting close mm-hmm. to that deadline. Oh, because dude, we're, we're riding them thick of things then. We're white tail guys, and we're, you know, in the south and in the eastern part of yeah. the United States. We're all hunting, man. I mean, yeah. like literally, up until the fourteenth, I was on. Before the fourteenth, I think I was on the river till the eighth. Yeah, I was still hunting. I hunted for. I was on the river filming, actually for this project that I submitted. I was still filming on the eighth. Yeah, because. That was what the film was about. Yeah. And um, so then you, you just grind. You know, you're just grinding it out, trying to mm-hmm. put it together. But um, this year's been I a think grind the biggest. Period. I think the biggest thing that, that hurts a lot of films that don't get in is that now we're getting a lot of TV shows that are wanting to be part of the film festival. And they're essentially doing sponsor whore outs inside the films? Well, not not necessarily, but what they're doing is they're going in, and you can tell like they've just gone in and cut down an episode. Oh, okay. And you know, placed it, put it together like a Badlands like really. A film. Badlands before, really. They really. We needed that. To yeah, tell yeah. you the truth, when we first started, dude, we hurt. For needed submissions. submissions, but we hurt for submissions. But now you guys are needing original content for the film festival. That's and that's a big. Now plus. we can. Now we're to a point that that it's first of all. Even not just because I host it and because it's Badlands, but it's the thing at the ATA now. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we used to print a thousand tickets and get rid and hope you know four hundred people showed up. Yeah. Now we print three thousand tickets and we don't know if three thousand people are. I mean, last year it was freezing cold, snow on the ground. I got there to film the behind the scenes stuff before. Because we always do a little behind-the-scenes video before. Mm-hmm. We have a VIP room up top for the filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Your film got accepted. 
the sponsors and the filmmakers all have a mingle before it starts. Oh, VIP that's cool. Room, I didn't know that. All free, all free drinks, all free food upstairs at six o'clock. And free beer. Yeah. And um, you should have edited faster this gosh, year. So, um, <laughs> so it's a chance for the filmmakers to get to mingle with some of our sponsors. Yeah. That are sponsoring the film festival. Um, when I got there last year, when I got there last year, um, I rolled in like 15 minutes late yeah. for the, for the meet and greet deal. And there was a line to get waiting on the door to open. That was three blocks long. I waited a long time to get in last year. And it was, and there was snow on the ground. It was cold. And there as was well ice and butt. it was yeah. cold. And those people were standing there waiting, to, waiting on those doors to open. And we were packed, and we're packed now. So, yep. it, so it literally. Oh, went it from, was a full freaking house. Yeah, it literally went from the first one we ever had. Yeah, now. Whoa, uh, Lord of mercy! That's outside, folks. That's not our equipment. Yeah. It literally went from the first year at the Hard Rock Cafe in Nashville, Tennessee, and we had two hundred people in there, and the bar was stacked on top, right on top of the where everybody was watching the films. People at the bar were talking so loud you could not hear the films, and you couldn't, you couldn't hear the Dang. film, and. That was the first. Golly, somebody needs their brakes worked on yeah, outside. That was, yeah, no. wow. that was my first film submission ever. Mm-hmm. First film I'd ever put together. And uh, for some reason, when my voiceover started at the beginning, I, my film was right in the middle of the pack. And for some reason, when my voiceover started, and I started talking, and I guess my, because I literally knew nothing about VO or audio or anything, so I'm sure my VO was probably way louder than it needed to be, which was fortunate for me that year. Yeah. Um, now it's like you know, it's it's a horrible thing. <clears throat> but um, my voiceover started, and you could literally hear the room stop talking, yeah. and they watched my film. Yeah, because they could hear it. Yeah, and all of a sudden, even the people at the bar were watching my film. Yeah, and I panicked <laughs> like, i literally panicked like yeah. i'm like oh no they're watching it you know and i like i turned around and i walked to the back of the room and i was standing back there and i can tell you i can tell you exactly who was standing by me when the film was over and i had no idea we didn't we didn't know each other knew who he was didn't know each other chip spaulding was standing at the bar yeah and it was when they were doing animal house oh yeah back in the day and I'd watch the Animal House stuff, and I always really kind of dug what they were doing because I thought it was different, and they were willing to step outside the zone yeah. and not play by the rules, and I thought that was cool. Yeah. And so Chip was standing there, and he was he was standing there watching my film, and uh, G-Man, Gerald. Uh, Swindle? Swindle yeah. was standing there because he used to be sponsored by, ba- by Badlands too. Yeah. Um, he was standing right there too. And they were watching my film, and I was, like, in panic mode. Yeah. Like, oh, man, these people are watching it. And then when it was over with, everybody stood up started clapping, and Chip looked at me, and he said, that was good. And I went, he's never told me any film I've ever done is good since. But it was, <laughs> <laughs> he told me that was good. But still to this day, when I put a film in, like, I will literally, it, when my film comes on, even though I'm hosting and supposed to be doing stuff, yep. I will – Walk away. Like, I do not want to watch people watching my film. We don't know what's going on out there, so we got to close the window. Yeah, I we guess. have to close the window. Um, but I'll walk away. It's just, it's hard. It's, it's one of the hardest things to do is watch 
other people's reaction to your work because yeah, you oh, know, I hate it. That's what is like. Yeah, I hate it. But, but here's it's back to also back, the ultimate test for it yourself. It absolutely is, and um, and back to back to what we were getting got off topic about about what makes it or breaks it. It man, you can you can go out and pay, and one year somebody did pay eighty five grand to have a film made Jesus for the Christ for the film festival, and they won second. Oh God! Behind me, <laughs> and they came up and asked me. How much did you spend on How yours? How much did I spend on my film? And I said, including my tags and what I pay for my lease. And they're like, no, what What do you think it cost you to make that film? And I'm like, yeah, my tags and all, I probably probably had 3500 in the whole yeah. whole deal. And that's including my lease and yeah. everything. And they're like, they're one second by me. And it was like, yeah. I kind of was happy about that. Just to oh, honestly, yeah, I, I chuckled just a little bit. What do you What do you think in the films people are using as a crutch the most? Like, what What, what is the one thing that you're just when you see it, you're like, oh man? Because I can tell you what it is for me. Well, I can tell you what it is for me. <laughs> I can tell you. I can, there, there's There's. I've always had a weird pet peeve, and I know I keep moving this mic out of my way, but I've always had like a weird pet peeve about unnecessary drone footage. Unnecessary slow mo, unnecessary vo. Um, those are three things that I, I get by with. I don't really mind it too much, but um, one of the things we're getting submitted a lot now is because. So my friend Lane Walter, oh, I know Lane. Lane, love Lane, love the story about his mom. That was one of the best stories. He won the film festival. Should have won the film festival. It was a great story. Yep, about his mom with cancer, and then. Uh, the very next year, we have Hank the Tank mm-hmm. win it. So it's like now everybody's submitting a lot of stuff that's got a lot of a lot of emotion attached. A lot to of it. emotion attached to it. Those, and deep, those real deep. It's real deep heartstring emotion. But the problem, but the problem is, is that these were, you know, for me, not saying that the people that have submitted, you know don't have real problems but it's like almost you're making a film about this because you yep and and or they're trying to make it larger than life maybe yeah. like even like and, it making it something and it's not type thing yeah and and we talked we and you and i've talked about this before and me and jason matzinger have talked about this a jillion times and we actually one night around a campfire over a few maybe cups of captain morgan couple, couple drinks we had a we had a large discussion about um, epicness and mm-hmm. I just don't feel like there's a whole lot that's uh, super epic you know what I'm saying it's um, I think sometimes we try to make things far more epic than they really are instead of just telling the story um, Jason does it Jason does as good a job as anybody telling mm-hmm. the story but the one thing we we had the discussion about was I and I'll maybe Make everybody mad and ruffle feathers and everything, but I know Caleb doesn't. We're, give a we're all for so ruffling feathers cares, around here. Who cares? So I just have always been of the opinion that we're in the hunting industry and we don't really do anything that epic. <laughs> you know, I mean, we we go out and hunt and it, and we could teach anybody how to do it. And this isn't Hollywood. No, and we portray it. We need to portray it to me as any man's experience. You know I, what I'm saying? I, I, I'm right there with you. I think the main thing that I feel like is missing, and um, 
you know, disclaimer, I, I am not a lifelong hunter. So right. me either. I, I've, I've I didn't only start till I was 26. Yeah. I've only been hunting since I've been doing this kind of work. Right. Um, but the thing that's consistent in all my trips is there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of goofing around and I never ever see the weird, the goofing around the off, off kilter, all the, all the weird stuff that happens in camp, all the stuff that all the guys know, like, Hey, we're all messing around. We're goofing around. We're messing up. We're tripping over things. I never see that in films. I only yeah. ever see the very emotional, you know why, though? very serious side of it's things. Super hard to produce that. It is yeah. super yeah. hard. Yeah, I agree, and I agree with I agree with both both of you guys. It's hard to produce that, and uh, and it's also something I think I would rather see more of. I would mm-hmm. rather see more real life. And I think that's where the popularity of, and I'm not naming any names or calling anybody out, but I think, but I seriously think that's where the popularity of of some of these guys that are putting out a YouTube video a week, mm-hmm. um, or a day, even in some cases, and and I'm watching them, and I'm and I watch some of it, and of course, on the the work side of me, I'm going, that lens is filthy, that was a horrible cut. The audio's terrible, right? And it's got one hundred and fifty thousand views. People and I'm must like, like what? it for something. What? You know, had... and the reason is, is because you're watching that, and they're making you feel like, yeah. that's any man's experience. I, exactly. And I've talked to my brother about this. This is a perfect segue. Is that's my brother? He watches hunting publics. He watches the born and raised. He watches all those things. Yeah. And those guys are killing the game. Yeah, they are. Because a couple reasons simple it's not over the top it's not epic pretty easy to put together and then on top of that and i, I asked my brother and i thought i thought i figured i knew the answer i said why do you like this the most he's like because i feel like i could go out and do that because exactly. i feel like i could go out and do exactly what those guys are doing exactly and i'm like okay i understand that i was like but you don't find value because this is where it's really hard for me right you do not find value in the production you don't find value in time spent producing, editing, sound design, um, color telling correction. a good story, te- yeah. color correction, establishing shots, interviews, voiceover, all the things that we do every day that we spend tons and tons of time on. You would rather agonizing see, over. You would rather see something that was shot on a handy cam with very little thought behind it. That's forty five minutes of just some guys out hunting public land. He's like, yeah. Yeah. And that <laughs> breaks my heart, to be completely honest. Well, and I think here's the deal. Like, there's there's a place for all of it. And yeah. it's the same thing. You can you can get on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, you know, service you want to watch. And you can go through documentary films and you can – and I do that. I want to – I love to watch doc films. Mm-hmm. I watch doc films about anything from weightlifting to rock climbing to running. You know, one of my favorite ones is is that film about the Berkeley run in Tennessee. You got to watch it. It's the weird the Berkeley Marathon, just like an underground marathon that's been going on for years, and like only like twelve people have ever finished this marathon, and the world class marathon runners in the world have ran it. And you have to you have to run the whole thing with a compass. Hmm. And it's in the it's it's a nasty marathon. It was and I found it just by accident, and it's. Not super produced. It just tells the story. You see these guys, and you're like, "Holy crap, man! Those guys are running. They're running through briar thickets, 
we we know what briar thickets are like when you get in a briar thicket and it's tearing your you know when you get back to the camp and you pull your pants off and you've got scratches all over your legs Mm because you've been trying to tear through briar thickets these guys are having to run through there and uh in shorts they're tore all to pieces but i'll watch that really but you can watch everything from the most highly produced documentary to something you looks like you know was done at the high school um video arts class you know and it just barely got finished well and that's Um, and that's and i'll watch it all but but um to me like one of the first watching like Jimmy Chin, uh, Renan Osterk, that kind of stuff, and even when when I saw that Renan Osterk did that one Yeti film, The Hunt, when I saw he did it, I thought, why did they hire Renan Osterk to do this film? And then after I saw the film, I realized he was the only one that could have shot it. You or I couldn't have shot that film. Yeah. There's no way we're going to go twenty thousand feet in the Himalayas. We're yeah. not going to survive. <laughs> they had to have Renan Osterk to shoot that. Mm-hmm. Because he was suited for that. He's lived there. I mean, but one of the first films I really that really caught my attention and made me go, that was so cool, was Meru. If you get a chance to watch that film on Netflix or Amazon on Amazon Prime, watch it. It's a Camp 4 Collective film. Three guys on the side of a mountain for 21 days summited in this mountain that's never been climbed. I saw and it. And they're filming each other. Yeah. DSLRs. They're all filming each other. Yep, I saw it. Um, but it's cut together beautifully. It's got enough interview stuff in it that tells you the story. Um there's so many different ways to tell it, but you know, the my biggest pet peeve with the film festival is if, first of all, if, if I look at it and I can tell you just do it together, um off of just some clips and, and yep. then you tried to throw a bunch of drone stuff in there or a bunch of you know, you tried to be over the top epic because you really didn't have a story. It shows. Oh yeah, 100%. it shows big time, and you're probably not going to make it in. The other pet peeve is don't don't look like a NASCAR driver yep. at the end of the race. Yep. You know, talking about how the you know the number five Tide car you know yep. ran good today. Yep. Well, you know, the, with my, Lucas Oil. Yeah, my, and, uh, my my biggest thing is the voiceover. Uh, I mean the the over the gratuitous use of high speed and, and voiceover or high speed and uh, drone. Yeah, I get that too. Yep. Uh, and it's easy to do because a lot of people use those things as a crutch, and we've talked about that before. Yep. But the biggest thing to me is montaging over pretty footage and just voiceovering what's happening. Where yeah. you could take a little more time and produce that dialogue in the field. Um, and to, to exactly. me, and, and this might make people mad. And at this point, I mean, who cares? Yeah. To me, if you if you're doing a film now, voiceover has its place. Sure. There's no doubt. When you're doing like we just did a piece for Rambo, th- that's that's a piece that needs voiceover. Yeah, when you're absolutely. doing a product spot where there's no person in there, you got to use voiceover. Sure. Our reel had voiceover. Yeah. That we just did. Yeah. Yep. And that fit. Yeah. Made our, sense. our reel, our fit. reel had yeah. to have voiceover. Fit. So, I understand that. In a film. If you ever watch a feature film, watch, you know, go out and watch something in the movie theater. Think about how much voiceover is in that film. Yeah. It is minuscule at best, yeah. if there's any. Yeah. Because, I understand we're not comparing apples to apples right. here, but at the same time, dialogue can be produced. I feel like voiceover in a film is lazy. 
Yeah, if, if, if depending you, on the film. If you use it for the entire time. Well, so here, here I'm the same way. I'm not. So Jason, Jason Matzinger won the film festival one year with a film that had zero voiceover and very little music. Yeah. Oh, I, I, th- those it was, are my favorite. It, it had zero voiceover and very little music. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, it was one of my favorite films he's ever done. And he sent it to me and he said, there's no voiceover in this film and there's very little music. And I, like, I watched it and I was like, dude, that was... That was good. That we, was good because it it made you feel like you were standing there with him. One you know? of my, um, but one now his film this year is called The Older I Get. Yeah, is all voiceover. Yeah, but it's he is literally telling the story from start to finish, and it's not about one hunt. Yeah, it's about life, and it works in okay. that film. Um. It doesn't work in most of them. It doesn't work in most of them. Um, first of all, like me personally, when I start, when I sit down and have to do voiceover, that's what was so painstakingly hard yeah. about the film I did this year. Is I hate doing voiceover because I hate the way my voice sounds whenever yeah, yeah, yeah. I do it. And um, Ryer likes it. He likes the. Sound and you're setting. You mean I'd love to do voiceover all the time. <laughs> 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 oh, you God. need to be like a late night DJ. He's, he's, he's working on some voices already. My late night jazz show host, welcome the Velvet to Flood. After ATA <laughs> with so, your host Caleb Copeland. No, no, no! I just thought of your jazz name. What's my jazz name? Red Velvet. Red Velvet. You're listening to After ATA with your boy Red Velvet. Oh, Red <laughs> oh Velvet. God. That sounded like uh, 80s porn more than anything. Yeah, that's exactly um, right. So my There's not much difference between that and smooth jazz. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The same. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, I had a good thought until I thought of Red Velvet, and everything left me when I heard Red Velvet. I'm aware of the effect that I have. Yeah. Well, two, two things. You know, I think one of the things that I try to do as far as a film goes, Jason does the same thing. Uh, another guy that does a damn good job and a lot of people don't know who it is josh mormon josh mormon works for garmin josh has had a film in the film festival every year except last year's the first year's film didn't make it uh i don't know him uh josh is a great editor he put he put a film together this year called loner Mm. and it's it's a four minute film but it's all about the fact that he is by himself all the time mm-hmm. and he self films all the time and yeah. he he goes through step by step how he gets all those shots and he's like a lot of times it set the camera up go over here sit down uh-huh. shoot it and he goes through it and then he goes through like then you put it in you do a little color correction you do a little audio correction sometimes you get the shot sometimes huh. you don't get the shot i want to see this and one. it's one of the best films in the film festival um and it's a four-minute film, but it's called Loner. It's about him. And he shoots it all on SLR, too. Yeah. So it's like he's not shooting a camcorder. He's, yeah, you know. And, well, that's uh, what I was going to say a minute ago. One of my favorite things that I've ever seen done, and it never aired. Um, it never aired in its in its glory. It was when I was working at Sub 7, and uh, we were doing – I'm not going to tell the client or anything right. but because they never used it. But we did a film um, for a client. And uh, there was a guy doing a solo hunt by himself. Right. And there was two producers on it. And uh, we filmed the whole thing in a way to where there's never a spoken word in the entire thing. Because if you're hunting by yourself, who are you talking to? Yeah. So uh, So you filmed it as a solo. They filmed it as a solo thing, and there's never a word spoken. It's all sound design. You hear the fire crackling. You hear him walking. 
Uh, you hear him calling. It's an elk hunt in Montana. You, you know, all these things. And, I mean, that's so cool. shot absolutely beautifully. I would love to see that. Oh, it was amazing. We sent it to the client, and they're like, no, it's going to need voiceover and interviews. And we're like, don't do that to it. Like, yeah, don't do don't, it. Don't. And they didn't listen to us. Yeah. Ryder and I had the same thing with a client the other day. We submit something that we love, and we're like, this is it. And they're like, can we add some text here and some voiceover here and an interview there? And we're like, no, no, that's going to screw well, it one up. Of the, one of the things that I think we get caught in, in this industry especially, that they don't get caught in, and, you know, if you watch some of the Red Bull films or monster films or you watch, you know, some of the extreme sports the really industry. good ones with good budgets. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're really good ones with good budgets is they don't handcuff those producers. No. They let them, they're like – Perception is reality, man. Do it, man. One of the best They're... films I ever saw was a Red Bull film, and it was this guy in Northern California gets out of his truck, gets on a bike, and starts riding the bike around this track in the yeah. hill country or whatever, and he's being followed by this Toyota Tundra with a big axis gimbal on the back, and it's all a single one take. Right. And it rides, and I can't remember the song, and it just rides through, and it's all one shot. Yeah. And then he finishes, and he's wearing, like, board shorts and a black T-shirt and a helmet. You don't see a Red Bull logo. You don't see it. Make sure he's holding the can. He doesn't stop and pop one and thing. No. Nothing. And at the very end, it's like Red Bull films. Boom. That's it. That's all you need, man. That's and you're like, you that was incredible. I just submitted. So the film that I did for Badlands this year was a film that I actually produced for for a company. And I'm not going to throw the company out there because I'll tell you, it was the first thing I produced for them when I was terrified whenever they saw it because i thought that they were going to look at it and go there's not enough of our product in the film yeah and uh in fact the first guy that looked at it he said well i can tell you what they're going to say they're going to say there's not enough product yeah. shots in the film and i said but that's not what we're doing yeah you no know, we're we're, cre- we're creating film but we subtly have yeah product shots perception in is reality and i said so people don't want to watch me beat them over the head with a you know, with a product, yeah, they want to watch the hunt. And I said, so that's where we are. And believe it or not, they watched it and they came back and said, we love it. And well, that's good. We're, you know, when can we release it? Good to know. And I said, let's wait and release it after ATA. Yeah. Um, let's let ATA get over with and let everybody release what they're going to release and get done. And then we'll pop ours out, yeah. you know, whenever you want. So I was excited about that because I was kind of nervous about it. I was really kind of expecting because just to be honest with you, like the, the dude that's the head of the marketing there is not, not a hunter. Yeah. And that's I was a, when it's tough. And I was afraid he was going to look at it and go, you know, well, you, know product? you know who created that though? Who screwed up the whole in the hunting industry? Realtree back in the day. They made the grip and grin. They made, I mean, they yeah. created yeah. the mold that we still follow today. And that's what we're talking about is I think that people are so, get so tie, tied up on that mold, you know, and it's like uh, they're so afraid to step out of it mm-hmm. um, and do something different. But let's face it, especially in the whitetail world, and I told somebody this the other day, and I've probably told you this because I've harped on it, there's only so many ways you can tell the whitetail story. Yep. And it doesn't matter if it's me in the tree fixing to shoot a 150-inch deer with Caleb Copeland in the tree behind me over the right shoulder. It's the same exact – It could be be Waddell. It could be Lee or Tiffany. It could be any whitetail hunter in the world. Mm -hmm. 
it's going to be the same shot. It's going to be the same. It's the same. Yeah. And there's and there's just very few ways to create new variations of that story. Yep. So, and and we've all gotten into that mold, and that's and, and in the whitetail deal, that's that's basically it. I mean, unless we get out and start spotting and stalking them in Georgia. Okay. Good luck with that. Good luck with that in Arkansas. Good luck with that anywhere. That's why I tell guys out east, out west, they're like. You ever tried spotting and stalking any whitetail? And I'm like, you're not going to spot and stalk whitetails yeah. in the thickets in Arkansas. Yeah, you're not going to see one. I, yeah, I want to um, actually shoot something and see something. Yeah, so the hard <laughs> part is in the whitetail world, the reason there's not a ton of epic, and I, I say epic very loosely, the reason there's not a ton of really good whitetail films is because how are you going to tell that story that it hadn't already been told? Yeah. I mean, it's been told the same way for 20 years. I've got an idea for one that's very out of the box. It involves whitetails, but it's not about whitetails, if that makes sense. Well, so that's so I've the, got plenty so the of ideas. I just don't have any time. <laughs> it's just like it's like my film this year. Like, it's we, – we actually filmed most of this last year yeah, yeah. on the same hunt. And I had a camera guy with me for most of it. And then he had to leave and go shoot a wedding – Oh, God. And so I was still there. Bless him, Lord. I was sick as a dog. It was raining. I stayed in a wall tent for three days, didn't even go out because I was sick and it was pouring down rain. Um, Sounds like my Alaska we couldn't, trip. I couldn't, I couldn't get out to hunt because it was it, it was water access. I had to use the boat, and the lake was white capping. And, like, and, and then the walk-in part was closed because the water was up so high they had, it, had the gate closed, and it was public land. You couldn't even get in there. Mm-hmm. So, literally, I was just in the wall tent for like three days waiting on any break to go hunt. And he calls me. The cam- My camera guy calls me and says, hey, I'm on my way back. Um, I said, well, don't come back today. Come back tomorrow because it's still raining. So, the next day, I get a break in the weather. Temperature drops about 20 degrees. The weather breaks. He's on his way. I go get in a tree stand that afternoon, self-film, kill the buck. Mm-hmm. Buck's coming in, got the camera on him, got it backed out all the way so I know I can zoom it in and post if I need to. Well, what happens is the buck doesn't come on the trail. I think he's going to come in, but I'm backed out still, so I'm not worried about it. I move my hand a little bit to change my shot up, and the follow focus catches my hand and focuses on my hand, and you can still see the deer out of focus 40 yards in the front of me. Then you see... The lighted an, knock go an, past an the, out of focus arrow go out. Yeah, and you hear it go thump, and yeah. then I immediately grab the camera and get back on him, and it's, everything's back in focus again. But it worked. Mm-hmm. It almost made it way more real. Mm-hmm. You don't even see the deer till I walk up on him. Yeah. Um. And that's one of the things we talked about. Me and you know a couple guys that that watched the film where they were like, you know, when you walked up on that buck and you were showing him you you know it was there was some shaky camera work but it fit because you didn't have a tripod you, you even said i don't have a tripod so i'm just gonna prop this camera up right here on this backpack and hopefully you guys can see this deer mm-hmm. and and that that worked yeah. but for the most part um that was one of the coolest ways i actually ever told a whitetail story because yeah. you really and, and the way I started the film, and people will see it when we debut it, is it actually starts with the POV point of view camera mm-hmm. 
me turn it, you, you see it come on and my hand move away from it, and then you see me blowing a grunt call. None of this is recreated. It's all exactly how it happened. Mm-hmm. And you know I'm looking at something, and then it cuts to the POV. I had a kind of a hard cut right there, and you see my bow in my hand, and then it has another hard cut, and then I'm drawn back, and then as it fades to black, you hear the arrow go off. Mm-hmm. You hear it hit, and that's how the film starts. So you know and you're going to get to see something. And I actually say, I'm pretty sure I just shot a nice buck. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and then it starts the film. Yeah. Um, Good way to hook people. Well, Grab it's em. just I I didn't have a you know that crisp pretty you know shot of that buck coming in. I didn't have a great kill shot. So you know I wanted to I wanted to try to figure out a different way to tell the story. Yeah. So that's what I did. And I think you just have to get creative in, in your storytelling when it comes to the whitetail stuff. It's not that hard to tell those elk stories or those mule deer there's stories. There's very few stories that we hadn't seen told yet. Yeah. You know. Um, but there's so many cool ways you can, you know, when, when you can show that strife of those guys hiking up those mountains and mm-hmm. how hard it is. Although a lot of times now they're not really hiking up the mountains. I mean, they're driving a truck part of the way getting out and calling and then walking you know five six hundred yards or however far they have mm-hmm. to walk to actually get on on the but you you know but somehow or another they still seem to make it look like they've you know hiked 12 miles in and have to do a pack out it's what you call good production yeah and the last thing i want to see is one minute of guys and i'll say who, everybody will know who i'm talking about when i say this and i don't really give a damn but mm-hmm. the last thing i want to see is everybody seeing a guy drive in on a four-wheeler and bait a bear and then the guy that shoots the bear that afternoon is carrying has pit post pictures carrying the bear out on his shoulders yeah when you know there was just a four-wheeler right there like why the hell you want to carry it out on your shoulders there was a four-wheeler just right there where you shot him yeah. <laughs> you know so if you're you know if that's the deal you're just doing it for the gram but it's i mean there's so many things that so many ways we can we can we can tell the story to make it more interesting and but i think the most important thing is to make people feel like they're part of it you know and that's the 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 good filmmakers the good filmmakers make you feel like you're there, mm-hmm. you know, they, or they make you want to be there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's some, one of the, some of the things that, that. I think it takes a little bit of a secret sauce too. You know, I think that's does. important. And, you know, all that's important. But I think even if you think about some of the, you know, the best shows that you know of or the best hosts or the best yeah. films, they got something that you can't put your finger on what it is. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just a little bit better than something else. You talked about Shockey a while ago, like. I don't, I, you know. That's a good one. That's a while ago. That's another good saying for you, for your non-Southern people. Yeah, while a ago. while ago. A while ago. Yeah. He said he was, I was talking about Shockey a while ago. Yeah. That's uh, something y'all probably don't say in Colorado. Yeah. So. I, I would say I was talking about something a while ago. He didn't say a while ago. I said a while ago. while ago. A while ago. It's yeah. got to be, okay, it's got to be one continuous. making sure you didn't yeah. see, didn't, didn't that, miss that. That's one whole word. <laughs> while ago. <laughs> while ago. Now spelling it. Spell it. <laughs> W-H-A-L-A. <laughs> G O O O, sure. There you go. Something like that. Yeah, it works. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, I, just no, had to, I had to point that out. But, but you're talking about one of the things that Shockey has going for him is he's always been a damn good storyteller. Yeah. I mean, you know, and he's got a son that's an incredible cinematographer. Absolutely. But even before that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could watch some of the stuff that he did, and even though it was kind of 
cheesily shot. And I thought some of the first stuff that they had out was kind of the Jim Shockey adventure stuff. I didn't, I, I, I couldn't really get into a lot of it. Cause yeah. he, but, but he, he would keep me hooked because he, he was telling this story and making me like think this is, this is pretty amazing. Well, you that's, know? but that's and, a good piece of advice for somebody out there that maybe doesn't exactly know how to produce dialogue or doesn't know how to tell a story without VO. Maybe they yeah. haven't done a whole lot of that. And the best advice I can give somebody like that is talk to the camera as much as you can. Uh, yeah. and Or and, have your subject, whoever it is, ask them, what are we doing? Where are we going? Why are we here? What's the weather doing? How has it changed? What just happened? What are you doing? What, you know, what is that? Who, what, when, where, why weather? Yeah. All the time. And even if you feel like you're repeating yourself, even if yeah. you feel like it's monotonous, even if you're like, hey, you want me to talk to the camera again? Like, we, we're not doing anything. Like, well, we've been sitting here for 10 minutes, haven't seen anything. Tell me that. You know, yeah. whatever you got to do, that's how you produce dialogue. It's, it's more of a shotgun approach. And then when you get an editing, you have all these options yes. that tell this story. And if nothing else, if you're not the one editing it, guess what? When an editor gets that, guess what? He knows exactly what happened the whole time. Exactly. Instead of wa- looking at a bunch of footage of people walking around in the woods, not seeing or killing anything, yeah. nobody spoke to the camera one time. As an editor, you're like, what the hell happened? Like, I don't yeah. know what to do with any of this. Yeah. It's like, and you call the, the producer, he's like, can you tell me what happened on day two? Cause nobody ever even addresses the camera. Yeah. And you know, and they're like, well, you know, day three, we didn't really send anything. Tell the camera that. Yeah. Tell me, don't, yeah. don't show me, don't voice over me. Tell me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's, and, and I think that's where people fall short. And, and even, and even the guys in the field is, and that's why you're called a field producer because you're supposed to, I mean, that's part of your job as a yep. field producer. You're supposed to drag that out. Drag. If you, sometimes you have time, to. It is dragging yeah, it out absolutely. of Absolutely. And, and we were talking about VO and, and interview stuff a while ago, and, and that's always been kind of one of my pet peeves. Is, a while ago. Yeah, I said it again. <laughs> but um, we were talking about that a while ago. And um, <laughs> now you're gonna one be of my conscious. pet peeves now is – Now you're going to be conscious of it. Is, if, Sorry, go yeah, ahead. If, if, if I see a film – that's got every two minutes they're cutting to a to an interview. The first thing that pops in my mind as a field producer they didn't do a good job. Is in the field. they didn't do a good job in the field. Yep. Otherwise, you wouldn't keep having to do these interviews yeah. to you tell know. the story. Because if you can tell the story in the in the field, yep. that's where you want to tell it. Exactly. You know? And interviews, in my opinion, the only time you should use interviews is if they add to the story. You yeah. know, like with with uh, the the hunting habit show that we produce with Chuck. Yeah. Chuck's such a good host, and we talk in the field all the time. And we could produce the show without interviews, sure. But he's so good at interviews, and he yeah. adds so much dynamics to the show. Yeah. Then we put him in there. Yep. If he wasn't as good of a host, we wouldn't have him in there. No, and there's some people that they should never do an interview. Oh, I agree like I've with watched, that. Yeah, I've watched so many outdoor shows, and I'm like, man, you should never, because they're so good in the field naturally. Yeah. yeah. And then they want to sit down and do an interview, oh, and it's and you and it's. He'll it's probably listen to this, horrible. and he won't care that I said this. But my buddy Casey Shootman, he's been on this podcast before. We, I was producing a Gamekeepers Trapping episode with him. You get him in the field and put him on a trap line, doing what he does. Nobody better on camera. Awesome. You sit him down and put him in an interview setting. He can't get a word out. Yeah. It took me. I don't remember how long to cut his interviews out. And like he kept apologizing. He was, man, I'm not really this bad. I'm like, I was like, I just need to get you doing something. And uh, dude, did he never fumbled a single time. And you sat him down in an interview yeah. setting, 
And it's like the dude forgot English. It's like, and I'm like, dude, what's wrong? He's like, I don't do these interviews, man. I'm like, you can tell. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, and I, I had a guy with me on a hunt earlier this year. It was. Uh, Love you, Casey. By the way, super, super good. Like, he's constantly on Instagram doing all these stories, and he's talking, and he's super good talking to his phone yep. and doing doing his stories and stuff on Instagram. But as soon as I cranked the camera up. He was speechless. He's like, he would just like literally stand there. And what do I do with my hands? Like, we rolled up to pick him up from a hunt, and he was standing there, and I had the camera on. I'm like, "Hey, man, what's going on? How'd it go?" He's like, "Uh, well," uh, and then he just stood there, <laughs> and I'm like, and he finally tells me, and I'm still rolling, and we're in the boat. Like he's he should be getting on the boat. Mm-hmm. For us to leave. Get on the boat. And I'm and he just stands there. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, get on the boat. <laughs> yeah. like, just, like, just get on the boat, you dude. Stick a, dude, I've had people that are some of the best, funniest personalities like to hang out with yeah. and just like shooting the crap with. You stick a camera in their face and it's like they're like, uh, what, 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 uh, what, what did you want? What, you want me to talk about what now? And it's the same thing with a podcast. You yeah. Know? And I, one of the things I heard. Um, and I, and I heard Joe Rogan say this one long time ago. He talked about somebody was asking him about how he decides how long his podcasts are going to be because some of them are three hours long. Yeah, mm-hmm. some of them are an hour long. Yeah, and he just said, if I'm having to work my ass off mm-hmm. to get somebody to talk, yeah, then I'm going to cut it short because it's not going to be interesting yeah. to the viewers one, either, one of the to the most, listeners yeah. either. One of the most memorable ones he did for me was uh. Uh, Richard Rawlings and the first and he even says in the intro of the podcast he's like if you're listening to this podcast he's like the first 30 45 minutes are kind of rough he's like you know I I really couldn't get anything out of him he's like but if you listen past that it gets real good and it does it's like a two and a half hour podcast yeah and the first 30 minutes you're like dude this is like pulling teeth yeah just and I've been that way with clients but you know and it's almost better we've talked about a production that we're doing uh, right after we leave here and we're talking about we're not going to do interviews with guys until the very end. Yeah. And it's because, you know, you want to warm them up to you. You want them getting com- comfortable in front of a camera. As soon as you show up, you start throwing a camera in somebody's face that's not used to that. Yeah. It's it's, it's really, it's, really hard. It is. It's really hard. And and the last thing you want them to do is lock up because they'll lock up the field too. And then oh, you yeah. don't get anything natural. And that's yeah. that's even worse. And But, you know, the the, the hard thing for me as a field producer is that I started out self filming everything. Mm-hmm. And so everything, all the first stuff I did was me talking to the camera. And now when I'm producing other people, I have to remember that I'm not, don't say it, you know, don't say anything. You gotta, mm-hmm. But, but here's the same thing is like some of the people that I film with, like they'll talk to me and I talk to them back because, mm-hmm. and I, and, and one of the editors said, why do you talk to him all the time when he's in the tree? I said, because he's talking to me. Mm-hmm. And he goes, but you're not supposed to be there. I said, it's obvious someone is running the camera. Yeah, so if he speaks to me and I speak back, <laughs> I'm not going to just not answer. Like, yeah. I'll say, yeah, I saw that. Or yeah. no, that didn't happen. Or yeah. yes. And I said, it's obvious that there is someone in the tree filming him. Yeah. So why do you think I should sit up there with my mouth shut if he's talking to me? Yeah. And I said, if you want to cut that part out, just cut it out. Cut yeah. the whole sequence out. Yeah. And um, in fact, that happened. I filmed Willie Schmidt for Pure Hunting this year. 
and Willie's one of my me and Willie been friends for eight years, man. This first time I'd ever been in a tree with him. Yeah. Dude, we, we were having some of the coolest conversations up there with the camera on, and yep. I'm like, dude, you, we got to stop because, like, I'm talking to you all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We actually probably should not hunt a little bit. Yeah, we should hunt. And so it was, you know, one of the things we were talking about was, like, he was – he actually looked up, and he goes, that, that deer's got a pretty – he's this one buck kept coming in every day and trying to fight the decoy, and he was too young, but he had a lot of character. And, like, we almost shot him first day, mm-hmm. and we backed off of him. And – like day three, he's in there at the decoy and he's all bristled up and pawing and making scrapes at decoy. And, and uh, uh, Willie looks up at me and said, Man, that deer's got a lot of character. And I said, Yeah, he does. I wonder we didn't shoot him the first day. You know, it's like yeah. all he was doing was, and I thought he was just talking to, <laughs> to the camera and yeah. I should have just shut up, but I'm answering him, you know. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, I've had oh, that. We had a, you're, you're that antelope hunt with uh dudley that i edited earlier this year yeah there's a couple times where there's just so much going on with the antelope moving and what was out there and something's over here and something's over there and the only way that i could tell that was the conversation the conversation between you and dudley figuring out what's here what's there what's there and then you you guys had to literally move the whole camera setup and you go okay i'm moving the camera setup and yeah that whole thing and it added to me that you could tell you could you knew what was going on, and then it added almost a level of suspense to it yeah. because of the urgency in, in both your guys' voices talking to each other. Oh, for sure. Well, and the, an urgency you don't get yeah. if you oh, recreate we were, or interview. Yeah, we were about 10 feet from not killing that freaking goat, too. You are close. So. Oh, well, yeah. that's another deal with the hunt with Willie. I was there basically to film his dad on his dad's first archery hunt with a crossbow. So Willie's dad's been sick for a long time, mm-hmm. and this was a pretty special week for them to spend a week in – whitetail camp together and so me and his dad were in a, a, a blind one of those muddy blinds i'd never hunted out of one before mm-hmm. and it's got the glass windows yeah well we're in there with this crossbow and his crossbow basically exploded before we ever even got to hunt with it like he had sighted it in we shot like three arrows out of it at camp and it wouldn't hit anything and then it just it like it was it was bad like it i don't know what happened to it but I'm just glad we shot it in camp. Yeah. <clears throat> Fortunately, the neighbor down the road was working night shift, and the guy we were hunting with on their on their property knew him, and he said, he's got a crossbow. Let me go down and get his crossbow. So we borrowed, he let us borrow his crossbow. So we shot a few arrows through it. But it, it was an old school mm-hmm. browning, big, long you know, crossbow, big, long limbs. And so we get in this blind, and the buck comes in that we're going to shoot because me and Willie had passed this buck a couple of days before his dad got there, and it was just a, he was just a tall seven point. He wasn't anything special, but he was probably four and a half, five and a half year old deer. Uh, Willie had passed him, and he said, "If my dad wants to shoot that buck, let him do it. Shoot him." He said he probably will want to shoot that buck, yeah. and I'm like, okay. So sure enough, that buck comes in. I'm on the camera. I get a lot of B roll of him coming in. He crosses a river first, comes up to us. He jumps the fence. I'm on him. Well, Willie's dad starts pushing the crossbow out the window. And I look and I see that the limbs are going to hit the blind. Side of the blind. And I'm like, and I have to tell him. I'm yeah. like, you can't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. Um, and so he's like, why? And I said, because your limbs are going to hit, hit the blind. Yeah. And when it does, like. First of all, it's going to explode the bow, and yeah. second of all, your arrow is going to go like over the river. Yeah, and 
so by this time the buck has already gotten all the way to the to the feeder mm-hmm. and we pull out and we have to go to the long window on the side which is for a regular compound bow but we're fixing to shoot a crossbow out of it yeah so we open it up i get on the deer get everything set up and i'm like any time and i look over and i see the glass window has started to close and it's laying on the limb and it's a glass window Mm, that should be good and i'm like don't shoot don't shoot so i have to leave the camera and go hold the window open Mm -hmm. and (laughs) so me and him are having this dialogue the whole time yeah and then i look over at my camera and i've got i'm filming with my sony with a 70 to 200 and an external lcd screen on top of it Mm -hmm. and when i walked off i forgot i didn't tighten my tripod head down my tripod head my the uh uh, the vertical Mm -hmm. i didn't tighten it down so as i'm holding the window open and i'm telling him he can shoot anytime i'm looking at my camera is starting to pan down slowly yeah (laughs) and i'm like oh my gosh and i'm like just shoot just shoot him yeah (laughs) and uh and he shoots him and i run get on the camera and i film him jump off and head toward we end up getting the shot it was not a great shot but camera was panning down it was like a <laughs> lucky to get anything in that yeah, we situation were lucky we got it but he jumps over and i thought he missed the deer yeah i seriously thought he'd missed hmm. and uh because when the deer ran off he ran off with his tail up yeah acting like he wasn't hurt at all yeah and i said mr john I, so i got my secondary camera up and started filming him and i said what do you, what do you think and he said uh i killed him he's dead he says a perfect shot and i'm like <laughs> i'm thinking he missed him yeah i'm still thinking he missed him yeah. I mean, just the way he ran off, yeah. he did not look like he was hit. And with all the chaos going on, I couldn't tell, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he's convinced he hits him. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, so I wait about 15 minutes, and I climb out. I walk down by the feeder, and I'm just going to go down there and look see if I can see the arrow. And I walk down there, and there's the arrow, and it's covered in blood. He did. He made a perfect shot. That buck went like 80 yards. That's awesome. Piled up. But uh, I went back and told Willie what went on, and he goes, yeah, I said it was a. I said I don't even know how to explain what was oh, going on in that we, blind. That's what we but call said, a good old fashioned goat rope. Yeah, that's exactly what was going on. <laughs> I said there is a whole lot of dialogue going on yeah. between me and your dad during that whole deal. Yeah. He's like, well, it ended up after we watched the footage, um, the camera panned down enough, but you could still see from the from his belly line up. Yeah, you could see the arrow go through him. Yeah, and then it panned down a little bit more right after that, and I, you see me grab it. And yeah, of course. You know, good post-production will make it look a lot better, but there's not going to be much way to take all that dialogue out between me and him because I'm like, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't, don't shoot. <laughs> yeah, we've have had a couple situations like that. Well, well, I think uh, I think we pretty much covered it as far as uh, films, what to do, what to try to do, and hopefully what not to do. But if you have a good if you have a good story, and one of the things that we try to do is like. I I don't go out and look for a story and say I'm going to do a story. Kind of let it happen. If I have something I think is going to be a cool story, then I'll plan that story for the film festival. Yeah. But, like, I don't, you know, I don't just say, okay, I'm going to go look for something to film for the film festival. It seems like it's a, your, the stories are a lot better when they kind of happen, yeah. you know, naturally. Mm-hmm. Most uh, stories are. Yeah. So... So if you're going to submit a film, and I hope you do, if you're listening to this and you want to submit, submit because, you know, 
And don't get discouraged if you get turned down because, man, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of good filmmakers that's – If nothing else, that will be really good practice for the next one. Absolutely. And and ask. Yeah. Ask me. Ask. Send it to Caleb. Send it to me. Send it to Just whoever. Just beware if you send it to me. I will tell you the truth. And yeah, Caleb will. But it and, will be uh, my opinion. I have been wrong before. And I'm the same way. I had a guy that's a, that was – he did a very good job on his first film, sent it in, and I told him when he sent it to me, right off the bat, I said, it's not going to make it. Yeah. He said, what do you mean it's not going to make it? And I said, well, you you spent the first, like, five minutes talking about your sponsors. I said, that's just yeah. not what we are. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, yeah, that's it, but submit. Yep. Ryerstein, you got anything else? Or Red Velvet, I should say? I like that one. <laughs> red <laughs> Velvet. You do like that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're an idiot. Can I get a red velvet suit to go with it? Is sure. that too much? Absolutely. <laughs> I think you should get like a canary yellow suit canary to go with yellow. that. Oh, man. I, you know, the way that my skin tone is, I think it'd wash me out. Oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>